I'm aware this morning that there'll be some of you here and, and you, are, you wouldn't say that you're a Christian. You would, you'd say, I'm not a Christ follower. You're here maybe because, I don't know, someone invited you or, or you've walked into the wrong building and, and it's embarrassing to walk out now. And you're, I don't know why you're here. Uh, but, and you know, most of the time on a Sunday, we, uh, we say, you know, whatever we say, we want to be really applicable to you, whether you're not a follower of Christ or, or, or whether you are. But occasionally, we kind of need to talk directly to those who say they are followers of Christ. So if you're not a Christ follower, what's happening today is that you've got like a backstage pass, okay? So a lot of what I want to say today doesn't apply to you because you, 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 you say, I'm not a follower of Jesus. But for those people here in this building, and many of them, who say they are followers of Jesus, this really applies to them, okay? So you've got like a backstage pass to listen to what it really means to follow Jesus. Uh, and, and also, for those that say they are a follower of Jesus, this is what we ought to be doing and how we ought to be living. Does that make sense? So if you're not, just sit back, relax, okay? Some of the other guys around you are going to feel a little bit challenged this morning, but maybe not you because it doesn't quite apply to you. Now, if you do become a follower of Jesus, then it will, okay? So that gives you a little bit of a heads up. But I wonder if you come with me on a little trip around the world, um, (laughs) not literally, but just in your imagination, the Belfast Peace Wall that stood between the Shankill and the Falls Road, the 38th Parallel, the standstill between North Korea and South Korea, the West Bank in Israel, Hadrian's Wall that separates Scotland from England, but we are still the United Kingdom, aren't we? The Great Wall of China, and perhaps most famously of all, the Berlin Wall. All walls built by people to keep other people out. All walls built by people to keep other people out. But I believe that God wants us to be a people who bring down walls because what's beyond it is worth it. You see, last week we looked at this whole thing about the walls that are inside of us. But today I want to talk about the walls that are between us as people. And you know, they're not just physical walls between us. There are walls of colour that divide us. There are walls of gender. There are walls of class, of culture, of age and stage and likes and dislikes and tastes and preferences and attitudes and behaviours and shapes and sizes and football teams and tribes and personality and faith and politics and accent and music. There are walls and walls and walls between people, aren't there? But I think God wants us to bring down the walls because what's beyond it is worth it. And why do we build walls between us? One of, the, one of the reasons we build walls between us is because of ignorance, actually. And I want to tell you a story, and I hope you won't be offended, but when, this is not my story, this is somebody else's story, so hopefully you shouldn't be offended by this. Uh, about 25 years ago, believe it or not, which is a bit scary for me, um, I used to work in a Christian mission organization in a creative arts, and we used to travel all around the country and around the world doing creative arts. And one of the guys that I used to work with... Um, uh, was from a, from a Jamaican background, is British, but Jamaican background. He became the first black guy in the organization. And back in the day, 25 years ago, a lot of stuff where we used to go, churches were down south, okay? And a lot of the churches that we went to were all white. And uh, he tells this story that he went into one of these churches down south uh, as the only black guy in the team uh, in this all-white church. And a lady came up to him afterwards. He's a drummer, a brilliant drummer, and came up to him and she says, I really like you people. And he tells me the story, and he's not offended by it, okay? So don't you be neither. And he says, I really like you people because you have such a lot of rhythm. <laughs> and then she said this, and she says, and where do you come from? And he said, Wolverhampton. <laughs> and she said, no, 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 where do you really come from? He said, no, I really come from Wolverhampton. I really do. 
He said, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, you can't go. I mean, I mean where, where, where's, your, where's your parents? Oh, he said, oh, okay. My parents were born in Jamaica, came here in the 50s, and I was born in Wolverhampton, which is where I'm from. She said, no, I don't mean that. She said, what tribe are you from? <laughs> now, that's a little funny, but it's really sad as well. But ignorance, all of us are ignorant of some people, aren't we? Causes walls to be between us. But also fear, because I think what we do is we think, do you know what? If you're different from me, I'm a little fearful of that, so best I build a wall just to protect me. Some of us build walls because of insecurity. Some of us build walls between each other because of pride, because actually we think we're better than other people. But we also build walls through experiences of life. Many of you know that I've recently, or a week ago, come back from a three-week trip to South Africa. And last Sunday, I spoke a little bit about that, and I want to speak a little bit more about it uh, today. Uh, when I was there with a the team from the church, and we had two weeks, the first two weeks, and we were working in communities uh, around the base where we were. Within 10 to 15 minutes of where we were, were all these different communities. And um, as I said goodbye to the team, they left on the Friday, uh, and I stayed for a further week. And we'd been working in these communities, going in the communities. We were on the back of trucks. We were jumping off trucks. We were playing with the kids. Everything was great. The communities were very welcoming. It was all very accepting. We went into churches. We went into feeding programs and we, uh, and we f- helped feed kids and we played with kids and we had a great time and everything was great. And the team left on the Friday. And then on the Monday, I woke up early in the morning because I heard all this noise around me and I could smell smoke. And I opened the door of the Wendy house that I was staying in, which literally was a Wendy house. And we were high up on a hill and all the way around were fires. And there were police helicopters and small planes flying overhead. I thought, oh my goodness, what is happening? And I thought, well, it's, it's bushfires. They have bushfires out here. But then I, I thought, it doesn't really sound. And, and you could smell in the smoke, tires being burnt. And then the news started filtering through that what was happening in the same community that we'd been working in the week before is that they were having riots. And they were building walls and they built roadblocks and they were burning tires and they were rioting. And the reason they were rioting is because for 20 years they've not had water. Now they've got the pipes in the ground and the government keep promising to send them water. But whenever they do send them water, it's dirty water and these guys have had enough. And to be honest with you, I understand that, don't you? I understand they've had enough because they just wanted water. But you see what happened as as a protest uh, began to get out of hand. And over the next three days, and I didn't put all this on Facebook, it got worse. And we could hear the odd gunshot. And the police got involved. And a couple of people lost their lives through it. And then people in the communities were threatened that if they crossed the picket line and went to work, that they would burn their house. In fact, one of the ladies that was working on our base, her name was Cookie, and she worked in the kitchen. And uh, she actually came to work one day, and we said, Cookie, why have you come? She says, oh, I went up to the, up to the wall that they'd built, and, and I just said, oh, I'm just going to the toilet. And they let me through, and I came to work. <laughs> but, but, but as I looked at that and I thought, you know what? And, and we were fine and we were safe, but those communities weren't. And all of a sudden you see that inside people's hearts there are walls. And I understand it was a really frustrating thing and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a, almost a right in it, a human right. We should have water. And here's the interesting thing. In South Africa, which is a great country in so many ways, that was the, in the, that community there, literally 10 minutes from where we were, 25 minutes from where we were, was a shopping mall as good as Merry Hill. We've got walls between us as a people, haven't we? And we build these walls because of experiences and because of what happens to us in life. But I think God wants us to bring down the wall because what's beyond it is worth it. 
And what I want to say to you, and if you're a follower of Christ this morning, it's really important you hear this. Now, hopefully this will be helpful to anybody, but it's especially helpful if you're a follower of Jesus. Because I want to talk to you about what God says from the Bible about bringing down walls. And first we're going to look in the classroom, a little bit of theory, and then we're going to look in the living room and try and be practical. So let's look in the classroom. In the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, and there's a big passage between 11, I'm not going to read it all, but he basically, in this passage of Scripture, he basically talks about that. He says, you know what? Before there was Jews and there were Gentiles. And he begins to say that there's a massive dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles. And I want to kind of show it to you a little bit this morning. It's in Ephesians 2, beginning at verse 11. So basically, uh, God says through the Apostle Paul, there's this massive wall and here is a Jew and here is a Gentile. Now a Gentile basically means anyone that's not a Jew. Okay? And this was so big because you see the Jews felt you know, rightly so, that they were God's chosen people. Unfortunately, they got it wrong a little bit because they weren't chosen out of favoritism. They were chosen out of responsibility. That through them, that God's kingdom message on the earth would come. But they got this whole idea that they were somehow so special from Gentiles and they had this dividing war. And, and the mark that you were a Jew was the mark of circumcision, which was a physical mark representing the promises of God to the Jewish people and not to the Gentiles. And you know, they used to think that no Gentile could ever come and be a part of God's inheritance and what God had promised for them. And you can read, uh, it says uh, in verse uh, 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. He has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier. So when Jesus came, he destroyed the barrier that separated us from each other. And he goes on to say, uh, I'm not going to read it all this morning, you can read it. Uh, And he talks about the fact that the, the, the Gentile has come close and has come into the promise of God. But not only that, it begins to say that actually, by his death on the cross, he has broken down every barrier that not only stood between us and God, but every barrier that stands between us and each other. So there should be no barriers of race or colour or gender or age or likes or dislikes. Even Blues and Villa fans should get on. All right, not everything maybe, okay? Let's, let's, let's not. But, but that, that's what it should be. And actually, the church of Jesus Christ should reflect that. And, and, and he goes on to say, you see, the purpose of it all was to create, the Bible says, one new humanity out of the two. So it's like not just blending two together, but to create one new humanity out of the two. Now, in the Greek language, which is what this was written in, there are two words for new. There's the word neos, which means new in point of time, but not new in point of existence. Technical, but let me explain it. How many of you got an iPhone 6? Anyone got an iPhone 6? Just the one person doesn't want to put his hand up and I saw that hand. Okay, a couple. All right, so you've got the iPhone 6. So when it came and you owned it, you thought, I have a brand new iPhone 6. Guess what? It's not the only one. Am I right? There's millions of iPhone 6s because it's new in point of time for you, but it's not new in point of existence. There's loads of them. But the other Greek word is the Greek word kainos, which means new in point of quality. It has never existed before. It is unique. And what God says, and if you can get this, is amazing. That I'm not just going to put two people together, or create, create like 50% this and 50% that. I'm creating some, someone brand new. I'm going to fuse you together in such a way that I'm creating something and someone brand new. It's never existed before. One of the early church uh, fathers, centuries ago, used to say, it's like he melts a statue of silver and he melts a statue of lead and he creates gold. 
It's brand new in terms of quality. It's never existed before. And the Bible says that he, as in Jesus, reconciled us to one another, which means bringing together friends who were estranged. Wow, imagine that in the West Bank. Imagine that. Imagine that in Iraq and Syria. Imagine that in South Africa. Imagine that in your workplace and in your street and in our communities and in your family. Because there are people estranged in your family from one another, aren't there? But God says that shouldn't be the case. Because he came and he broke the barrier and he reconciled us to become friends again. And he presented us both, the Bible says, into the presence of God. And you see, what used to happen in the Jewish culture is that not only were there this kind of barrier, Jew and Gentile, but even the barriers in the temple. Because in the temple, there was the court of the Gentiles. And then there was the court of the women. And then there was the court of the men. And then there was the court of the priests. And then finally, there was the holy place. And between each one of these was a great big whacking wall and a barrier. And if you were a Gentile, you went there. And if you're a woman, you went there. And if you're a man, you went there. And if you're a priest, you went there. And one priest, once a year, would get to go there. But the Bible says that when Jesus died, this temple wall, this, this curtain was torn into, symbolizing that all of these barriers have been broken down. And what I passionately believe is the church of Jesus should reflect a community without walls. Come on. A community without walls. It's the only place on planet earth where a millionaire can stand next to someone who has no money and they be one in Christ. Where a black person and a white person can be brothers and sisters, one in Christ. Where male and female can be one in Christ. Where old and young can be one in Christ. It should be a community without walls. That's the theory. That's the theory. The problem is the practice. And you know, right at the end in verse 19, it says, Consequently then, because of what you've done, I've done here, Paul says, you're no longer foreigners and strangers. What a great phrase. See, to be a resident... Alien, if you like, okay, as in non-Jewish, living in Israel was a big deal. You were never treated as an insider. But, but, but Paul says, because of what Jesus has done, you're no longer foreigners and strangers. You are fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. And it goes on to say, in him the whole building is joined together, rises to become a holy temple. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Listen, I want to tell you something. You are no longer living on a passport. You have a birth certificate. You belong. You belong. And if you know Christ this morning, wherever you've come from, whatever barrier you may think you have, you belong in the body of Christ. Do you know that? Uh, one of the houses that this organization built in uh, the community that we're working in, uh, they built this house for this family. They built houses for child-headed homes for orphan kids and also for other families who have no homes. They built a home and on the uh, welcome step, they put a mosaic of a Saswati word. This is the word. And this word in Saswati means family. So every time you walk into their home, it's family. And so outside that, on the one day, we all stood in a circle and there were Americans and Samoans and Germans and Brits and Africans and um, all kinds of people. And we, we, you know, we kind of stood in a circle and we were family. Why? Because he has destroyed all the barriers. Isn't that great? That's what the church should be. But here's the challenge. Our primary apologetic, in other words, our primary reason why people should believe in God should be our relationships. But often it's the opposite, isn't it? People say, oh yeah, I would believe in God, but you, like, you never get on with each other and you're always falling out. And here's the, here's the one they say, and there are so many wars that are caused by religion. Can I just say, just for factual sake, 
if you study history, most deaths through war have had nothing to do with any religious war. You look at Stalin, you look at Pol Pot, you look at Chairman Mao, all atheist countries, the people who have died under their leadership is astronomical. Now, religion has caused war, but when people say religion causes all the wars, that's factually inaccurate. And the wars that we do see in front of us are not caused by the purity of faith. They're caused by distortions and perversions of religion, including Islam and including Christianity. So when we say, oh, you know, uh, that's kind of the reason why we don't believe in God, that's actually factually inaccurate. But, but, there's a very real sense in which if people saw a church where there were no walls, I think they'd look to God in a different light, don't you? So how do we do it? How how do we actually walk this out? And just before I I do this, I want to say, I want to say something. If you were born in another country, and now you're living here, I'd love you to stand just for a moment. Would you do that? I don't want to embarrass you anyway, but the reason I want to do this is because, listen, I want to, (laughs) really, (laughs) is, is I want to say, you guys are really welcome here. You belong. Don't sit down for a moment. You belong. And can I say, as a leader of this church, we love you, we want you with us, and we need what you've got. And you might think, I'm here on a visa or I'm here for a short season. I don't care what the technical side of it is. You belong. And when you're part of the body of Christ, you add to us and we receive so much because you're amongst us. So we're going to put our hands together and express our thanks to you guys. Okay? Thank you. So, oh, passionate about this. So, how do we live it out? How do we live this out? If there are no walls meant to be between us, okay? If Jesus dis, uh, destroyed the barriers and the walls, how do we live it out? Well, let me just say a few things. And listen up. If you're not a Christian, this will be important and valuable to you. But you're kind of like not bound by it in that sense. But if you are, then you really are. Okay? So, first thing. When people damage you, work it out. When people damage you, work it out. The Bible says in John 13... Everyone will know you're my disciples because you love one another. And, um, you know, uh, there's, a, there's an even more important verse in one sense, practical verse. In Matthew 18, verse 15, it says this. If your brother or sister sins, now brother or sister doesn't mean your literal brother or sister. It's, it's a term in the Bible for, for anybody that's part of the church, okay, male or female. So if anyone is part of the church, part of the community, Christian, if they sin or if they damage you, if they hurt you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. So let me break it down. If there is conflict or damage, you go to the person in private, not Facebook, and you talk about the issue for the purpose of reconciliation. In other words, you want to work it out. Yeah? That's how... We take down the walls that come between us. That's how we show that we really do love God by the way that we love one another. Let me break that down into four steps. First, we need to be real and admit that there is conflict, that there is damage. We need to actually admit it. And it's not if, it's when, isn't it? It's not if your brother or sister sins. I know that's what the Bible says, but really it's when because we know it happens. We're going to hurt one another. We just can't help that. But we've got to be real and we've got to acknowledge that. But secondly, we go to the person alone. We go to the person alone. You might say, well, they should come to me. It was their fault. Grow up. Grow up. If you're a Christian, okay, the value in the church, in Christian community, is not 
Uh, fault. That's not the value. Fault is not the issue. Unity is the issue. So whether it's your fault or their fault is irrelevant. If you know that there is a wall between you and another person, you go and work it out. And you may meet that other person coming to work it out with you too. And if you do meet them on the way to you, then that's maturity. Because the issue isn't who's at fault. The issue is unity's at stake. Are you getting that? So if I hurt Carl, okay, I go work it out. But if I hurt Carl and Carl knows that, he comes up. But either way, we're heading towards each other because we need to work it out. Because the issue isn't who's at fault. The issue is our unity. The issue is we don't want the wall between us to get any bigger or any stronger. So we go directly to them. Now, the problem is the temptation that many of us have, and please listen to this, okay? This is so important, is that what we do is rather than go to the person, we go and talk to five or six other people about the issue. And what we do is that we paint them the person who we're at fault with, as a total muppet and we're the victim. And what we do is that we talk to them about it. And John Ortberg, in one of his books, he's a writer, he says this, what I have the tendency to do is this. I say, let me tell you what is going on between me and this other person. I just want to lay it out objectively and get some feedback from a neutral third party. Don't you share my concerns about this person who is my brother in Christ and is also a deeply disturbed psychopath. (laughs) That's exactly what we do, isn't it? But you know what you do when you do that? Is that you practice out your feelings of anger and resentment. And when you do that, what happens is that it's like you take wet cement and you turn it into concrete. And you strengthen and solidify the wall that is between you and the other person. Not only that, but you've now brought in five or six other people into the conflict that was nothing to do with them. So your offence has now become their offence. Your hurt has now become their hurt. And the disunity and the division in the community of faith is strengthened. Do you get that? But the Bible says, hey, don't do that. You go to them alone and you work it out. You see, when we vomit it all over other people, all that we end up doing is getting the wall to be stronger between us and that person. And thirdly, I would suggest you be quick. Be on the spot if you can. Hey, Carl, you know, when you said that, sorry to keep using you, mate. Uh, as, as a, you know, when you said that or did that, this is how I experienced it. You know, I'm sure you didn't mean it that way, but can we work it out? And if we work it out straight away, then it doesn't give any time for the wall to get stronger. And fourthly, believe the best. Believe the best. This is really hard. I find this really hard. Stephen Covey, who is a leadership writer, he writes of being on a subway in New York. He said, there's a man got on the subway with two kids who promptly began to run wild all over the train. They were yelling and throwing things, pulling people's newspapers down. I mean, they were acting horrible, he said. Covey then asked the man if he wouldn't mind controlling his kids a little bit. The man lifted his gaze as if in a fog and said, yeah, you're right. We just came from the hospital. Their mother died an hour ago. I don't know what to think. And I guess they don't know how to handle it either. Stephen Covey said, I felt so bad. (laughs) Because he didn't believe the best. Because he believed the worst. And this is really hard. But actually to give a little bit of space to say, hey, I'm sure you didn't mean that. And I'm sure there are other things going on in your life. But can we talk about this? And can we work it out? Because I don't want any wall to come between us. Because fault isn't the issue. Unity is. Unity is the issue. So is there a wall between you and another person? Then maybe today is the day when you start to bring it down. Because what's beyond it is worth it. But the second thing I want to say is, is that when people are different from you, reach out. When people are different from you, reach out. And I think that starts 
by acknowledging that we all have circles. And this is what we do, okay, is that we, we create a wall around us, which if you imagine this keep going, it becomes a circle. And inside my circle are the people who are like me, and outside of the circle is everyone else, all the weirdos. But everyone in my circle are all normal. Everyone out there is all a little bit weird. Isn't that right? That's what we do. And the church should not be a church that draws circles. It shouldn't be a church that builds walls. We should be those who reach out. And if we can't do it in here, we've got no chance of doing it out there. So I want to say a few practical things of how we can do it. Firstly, this is how we can do it. Speak to someone else who's not your friend. On a Sunday, don't always speak to the same people that you sit with. Go speak to other people. But they're different from me. So what? Jesus has destroyed all the barriers. Yeah, but I don't understand them, but I'm a little fearful of them. So what? Work it out. Go for it. Your life will be richer for it. It will be richer for it. I can't tell you the conversation I had in South Africa in the week after the guys had gone with all these different cultures. And one of the big issues that came up time and time again was how do we get on together when we're all so different? So I was with Brazilians who all talk like that and very, very fast and all at the same time. And then some Germans who don't talk like that all at the same time. And then some Africans. And then some Americans. And then some Brits. The only normal ones. No, I'm joking. Okay, I'm joking. I'm joking. And all the time, the questions were, how do we get on with our differences? But you know what came out of that? When they connected and when God was at work, the beauty and the richness of the diversity was breathtaking. I thought, oh my gosh, this is so worth it. So speak to people who are not in your circle. Sit next to someone in church that you've not sat next to. That might mean sitting in a different block. (gasps) Sorry, I know. It's like swearing that, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? What I've just done. But when we do that, when we do that, we start to bring down the walls. We start to bring down the walls. Open up your home. You might say, oh yeah, but my home's not spotless and my food's not MasterChef. So what? So what? Most people will be so thrilled you've opened up your home and invited them for a meal. They won't even look at the house and they won't care what the food is because something is bigger than food and the home. It's the relationship. Hospitality turns greeting into a relationship. So when you open your house and invite someone in for a meal, like someone did for us last night, that was a beautiful experience for us. Food was great and the house was great. But we had a beautiful experience because it was the relationship. The hospitality turned the greeting into a relationship. And if you're sitting there thinking, oh, that's great. I'm going to wait for the professional wall knockers down to come in and do all this. Don't you do that. You do it. So many people in church, and sorry if you're not from church, okay. It may be true in your workplace or wherever. They say, oh, you know, I wish this place was a better environment to work in. And I wish they do that. And I wish they do that. And I think, who's they? My goodness sake, who are you talking about? You're talking about you, aren't you? So you want your office to be a better office, you go knock the walls down. Not literally, all right, because you'll get in trouble. But you break it down. You want church to be more loving. You want church to be more relational and more social. Then you go and reach out beyond your circle and you start to knock the walls down. But then not only in here, but it's got to also translate to out there. You see, there are loads of people out in our community who are spiritually searching, but I've got all kinds of walls and barriers towards the church and all kinds of walls and barriers towards God. And we've got to help to bring those walls down. And I want to suggest three very simple ways we do that. Firstly, we walk across the room. We just literally walk across the room and we start engaging with people. When I'm on a plane and I'm on my own, like in terms of where I'm sat, okay, if I'm not in with the group or whatever, 
I always sit and I always pray at the start of my flight. First, because I'm not particularly keen on flying and I want the plane to get there. Uh, but secondly, I want to pray and I say, God, would you have me talk to this person next to you? Is there anything you want me to say to them? Blah, blah, blah. So on the way back from, from South Africa, it was a night flight. We got on the flight about nine o'clock and there's an empty seat in, uh, here. And then there's a lady, a British lady sat there, probably in a mid-30s, I guess, I'm not sure. Anyway, I, I, I prayed, and I really felt God wanted me to talk to her, so I began to talk to her, and I said, hey, wh- why are you here? What have you been doing? And she, she's a geologist, like, in a world-famous uh, university with one of the best geology departments in the world, and she travels to Greenland, and she travels all over the world, and she was in South Africa looking at rocks and stuff, so I was fascinated with it, because I did geology when I was at college, so I said, oh, I wanted to be a geologist, and so we talked about rocks for 20 minutes, really exciting, but, <laughs> but we, we were getting on great. Great. And we must have spoke for 30 or 35, 40 minutes as the plane was beginning to taxi and all the other stuff. And then we began to, to took off. And we were still talking, which was great. And then she turned around to me and she says, and why are you in South Africa? And what do you do for a living? <laughs> and in which I said, you know, if I tell you, one of two things will happen. A, you'll just stop talking to me for the next 12 hours, okay? Or B, you'll ring your button and ask the stewardess if you could be moved to another seat. She says, no, I won't. Tell me what you do for a living and why are you in South Africa? And I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you guess what I do for a living? And this is what she said, and I am not exaggerating. She says, you're there directing a porn film. (laughs) I don't know what that says about me. (laughs) Looking at my wife down here in the front row. I said, you're absolutely right. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I just said, you know what, of all the times I've ever had that conversation, nobody has ever said that before. And we got on great all the way through the flight. She went to sleep and I went to sleep and whatever. And she didn't come to faith. She didn't become a Christian. And we didn't get into that conversation. But walked across the room, brought down a barrier. You can do that. You can walk across the room and you can bring down a barrier. But secondly, another thing that brings down a barrier with people is just acts of kindness. Acts of kindness. There's a couple um, from Texas who who are on the team. And they arrived just after our, when our guys were leaving. So our guys never get to meet, never, not got, didn't get to meet these guys, which is a shame because they're amazing people. But they were flying out from Heathrow. And as they were two and a half hours into the flight, just coming across the Mediterranean, just about to go over North Africa, the aeroplane turned around and went back to Heathrow. There was an electrical fault. Okay? Landed. And they said, sorry, but we, you're not going to fly today. So you need to go to a hotel. So we'll give out tickets for a hotel. So all the way through the, the plane, they were giving out tickets for the hotel. This American couple, this Texas couple, just sat there. We're really kind to the stewardesses. We're really gracious. Just sat there and relaxed. Everyone else was getting agitated and angry and whatever. And as it got towards the back of the, of the plane, the tickets ran out for the hotel. And people were really angry, really uptight, and really irate. But they said, I'm sorry, we have no more hotels. I'm sorry, you just need to get off the plane. And they all went to get off the plane. As they were getting off the plane, this American couple, friends of mine, they got off the plane. One of the stewardesses pulled them to one side and said, can I just say, you have been so kind to us today that we keep back some of the vouchers. Here's two tickets for the Hilton. Now, I'm not guaranteeing that the next time you're kind, okay, you're going to get two tickets for the Hilton. But kindness changes a lot, doesn't it? And when I thought about this guy, really big Texan guy with a heart of gold, there was another story that came back to my uh, memory. On the Thursday, um, just before I came home, I had one afternoon free and I had a meeting on the Friday and then I was preaching in a, in a very big church in Johannesburg on the Sunday and I was nervous about both these things and I had an afternoon free so I said to the guys, could I borrow a car and I'm going to head away just like 25 minutes away so I can get to a coffee shop and I can just pray and prepare. They said, yeah, they gave me a car. 
I've been on the journey about 15, 20 minutes, and I'm coming down a road, and as I come down this road to a junction, there's a minibus on the, on the side here, and he's doing all kinds of crazy things with his arms and push, you know, with uh, bibbing the horn, and I'm not sure what he's doing. I got distracted by him, and I thought, I need to get around this guy. And as I went to go around him, I didn't check my wing mirror, and a car went bang into the side of me. And I thought he'd just taken like the, winds, uh, the, the, the wing mirror off because he was going so quick that he just carried on down the road, but then he pulled over. So I pulled over, and out of this very little car, which was now a crumpled mess, got four huge African men who were very angry with me. And can I say, there were walls between us right there. And if you know anything about South Africa, you'll know how dangerous that place can be. And I honestly thought that on the side of that road, that was the end of my time, to be honest with you. And we got out, and and, and long story short, we, we solved that, and it was all okay. But when I went back, I couldn't do any work, I couldn't pray, I was really shaken up. I was shaken up because... It could have been a really bad accident. I was shaken up and I was embarrassed because I'd trashed a car that didn't belong to me. It belonged to some friends of mine. And when I got back onto the site, I was so embarrassed, I just put the keys in the office and I went on my own. Just said, God, please, will you speak to me? And then this guy, this Texan guy, had been out with me for lunch a few days before. And we were chatting and, and, and I'd ordered an iced tea. And he said, oh, I didn't know British people liked iced tea. He said, that's my favorite drink as well. And as I was sat out on the, on, the, on the grass, on my own, feeling really embarrassed, and some walls were coming between me, okay, uh, inside of me, really, and I was thinking, I was so embarrassed about what I've done. How stupid could I be, and what could have happened, blah, blah, blah. This man just walked across the field, didn't say a word, and just put a glass of iced tea on my bench and just walked back. And like in that moment, the walls came down. And I just thought, thank you, God. Just that act of kindness changed everything. One more. (laughs) Walk across the room, acts of kindness, and then 20 seconds of courage. I talked about this last week. 20 seconds of courage can bring down the walls. One of the things that we did was we went into the communities and we helped feed the kids. And uh, they all cooked their African food. And one meal that they have, above any other, is their favorite meal. And it's this. Cow's intestines. Now, can I say before I tell this story, it's food, okay? And when you're starving, it's food. So we get very like that about it, okay? But it's food, and they love it. And on the one day, I mean, all the American guys said, listen, we eat all the food, but we can't eat that. None of us can eat that. And on the one day in particular, they were serving cow's intestines. Although you did have an option, you could have chicken's feet or cow's intestines. So, <laughs> For me. Anyway, um, but, but I went up to, one of the women volunteers was serving a massive part of this cow's intestines to these kids. And I went up to her and said, could I serve that to the children? And she was a really sharp woman. And she looked at me and she said, nope. <laughs> and I said, I'd really like to do that. Can I, can I, can I serve that? She said, nope. I said, why not? She said, not till you've eaten it first. <laughs> Everybody stopped. The American guys on the team stopped looking. Some of our guys said, Luke Strickland got his phone out and started videoing it. <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. You know who your friends are. So I said, okay, I'll do it. So she gave me this piece of cow's intestine, which had the skin on of a reptile, I'm sure. And I have eaten lots of things in my life. I've eaten a scorpion. I've eaten ants. I've eaten brains. I've eaten stomach. I've eaten sheep's eyes. I've eaten all kinds of stuff. I have never eaten anything as horrible as this. But as I put it in my mouth and and ate it, I went, hmm, good. Not good. As I ate it, and finally, after about 10 minutes, as I swallowed it, what was interesting was this. She looked at me and she went, you can serve it now. It was like the wall went down straight away. And then her friend who had been watching her came up to me after and said, would you pray for me? My kids are in Swaziland. I haven't seen them for years. Would you pray that God would open a way for me to see my kids again? 
And I'm not doing that to big myself up because it was the most horrible thing I've ever experienced in my life. But what I am saying is that 20 seconds of courage can bring down a wall. And maybe you and I need to go from this place this morning saying, do you know what, God? You brought down the wall between me and you and between us and each other. Let us be people who bring down the walls because what's beyond it is worth it. Amen. And I want to be a part of a church, a community that lives like that, don't you? And if there are wars between us, we have to bring them down. And if there are wars between us and other people, we should be the ones who bring those walls down. I want to ask the band to come back up right now. In a moment, we're going to take communion. And um, so we take communion. I want to just tell you one final story, and then we're going to take communion together. And this is important. Some of you will have heard this story. It's an old story. But in World War II, in the battlefields of France, there was a soldier who was killed. And his friends took his body to a Catholic church and said to the father, to the priest, would you bury him in your cemetery? And the Catholic priest said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. He was not a Catholic. I can bury him outside the fence, but I can't bury him in the cemetery. So he buried him outside the fence. And on the next day, in the morning, before this, this squadron, this platoon went off to carry on the war, they went to the, to, the, to the church to pay respects to their dead colleague. And they couldn't find the grave anywhere. And so they went and knocked on the door, the parish priest. And they said, excuse me, but yesterday we came and we brought our friend to you. And you said you couldn't bury him in the cemetery because he wasn't a Catholic, but you buried him outside the fence and we can't find him now. Where is he? And the priest said, no, in the night I felt so convicted by God that I got up and I moved the fence. You know, the law puts up fences, but love takes them down. And I want to tell you, whatever it takes to take the walls down, outside of sin, we should do. Whatever it takes, outside of sin, to bring the walls down, we should do. Because God took down the wall for us, didn't he? So we're going to be people who take down the wall for each other. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you are an amazing God and we love you so much. God, now as we take communion, this act of worship that has been done uh, for the last few thousand years all across the globe with all kinds of colours and perspectives and people in buildings that were ornate and buildings in streets and in homes and in shelters and shacks and all kinds of things. God, this one thing that unifies us together is the death of Jesus. It's the life of Christ that lives in us. We are part of Medendi. We are part of family because of what you've done for us. So God, as we eat and drink this morning, God, would you come by your spirit and your presence and would you break the walls down, I pray, in Jesus' name. So what we're going to do is that the guys are going to come and they're going to serve you the bread and the juice. I want you to hold on to it. Don't eat or drink and we'll do it together. If you're a visitor, you're open to this. They're just symbols. They are representative of what Jesus has done on the cross. We're really happy if you want to say, do you know what? I don't understand all this, but hey-ho, I want to make a step towards God. Then you do that this morning. That would be absolutely amazing. And while that's been handed out, let me read that big chunk of Scripture for you from the message. Okay, and just listen to these words. Okay, and hopefully all of what I've said this morning will all come together in the Word of God, which is much more important than what I say. Paul says this, Don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's ways had no idea of any of this. You didn't know the first thing about the way God works, hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of the rich history of God's covenants and promises, hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world. But now because of Christ dying that death, shedding His blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. 
The Messiah has made things up between us so that we're now together on this. Both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders, He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print that it hindered more than it helped. And then He started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, He created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everyone. Christ brought us together through His death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace and that was the end of hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through Him, we both share the same Spirit and we have equal access to the same Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home and He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here in what He's building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation, but now He's using you, filling you in, fitting you in rather, brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. And guys, as you, as you take that in your hand this morning, these symbols are symbols of what God has done in order to bring all that to happen. He tore down the walls so we can tear down the walls and live in the life that's beyond the walls. So if you've got the emblems, I'd love you just to stand with me. Is that okay? In a moment, we're going to sing, and we're going to sing the song that we sang last week. You might think, oh, don't you know any others? Yeah, we do. We know loads. But we actually think that this is the key song for us as a church right now. And so we're going to sing it until God tells us to stop. But before we do that, I want you to take the bread. And I want you to look around. Would you do that? Look around. You say, I don't know all these people. That's okay. They're part of your family. They might be different from you, but the difference is okay. They're part of your family. He has torn down all the walls so that we can be part of the same family. So we're going to thank Him this morning. So let's eat. Let's eat. just I didn't say this at the first service I just sense that there are some of you here and you know you're saying this all sounds great Leon but you're saying this I don't feel that I belong maybe through what you've done in the past maybe through the 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 kind of label that you might want to put on yourself or others have put on you and you're saying do you know what I don't belong I'm not in this family you don't know they don't know about me well I'll tell you what we might not know about you but God does and his word says you belong if you know Jesus So I don't care what's happened in the past. I do care, but I don't in one sense because you belong here as much as anybody else. And that's all because of what Jesus has done on the cross. So let's thank him as we drink this morning. Just as we finish, uh, I just like aware that it may be that there are some here today and and you say, do you know what? I'm not a Christian and, and actually you've got a wall between you and God. God understands that. And, and you might not, you might look around thinking I'm the only one thinking like this 
And, and you might look around thinking, oh, all these guys get it. I don't really understand why. But you know what? Many, in fact, all of us in this room would say there was a time when we felt like that as well. The time when we put a wall up to God and it was as crazy to us as it is to you. But you know, by keep walking and by keep stepping forward and by keep giving God an opportunity, brick by brick, brick by brick, He could take those walls down. And what you'd experience is unbelievable. But it's true that there is a God who loves you, who sent Jesus to die for you, to take down the wall that separated you and Him and gives the strength for us to take down the wall that separates us and each other. So I want to say, if that's you, just don't give up on walking forward to God. Just give Him a chance. Come back again. Talk to someone. Go on Alpha. You know, read something. Just do something with it and give it an opportunity. And it may be this morning that that you've been challenged and there's somebody, there's a name that God has brought to your mind and you know that's the person that you have a wall between. Maybe they damaged you. And God has said to you this morning, you need to walk it out. You need to work it out. Not through Facebook, not through other people, but directly, as the Bible says. You need to do that. You need to do that. And it may be that you say, actually, there are these people in my world or in my society, and, and I don't like them, and I don't want to bring out myself. And maybe God has challenged you to walk across the room. Maybe some acts of kindness. Maybe 20 seconds of courage. And you could see the walls come down. Wouldn't that be amazing? And you know, if we don't deal with the walls between us and each other, where it ends up in is some of the horrific stuff that we're seeing in our world, isn't it? with some of the stuff we're seeing in Iraq and Syria is because men and women, people, don't deal with the walls that are inside them and are between them and it ends up in that. And so I want to pray as we finish. We want to pray for our world just for a couple of minutes as we finish this morning. And then that we would be people that go out this place and we can't save the whole world, we can't change the whole world, but we can make a difference. We can bring down a wall and who knows what God could do through that. So Father, thank you this morning for just this amazing picture of these walls and what you want to do when you bring down the wall. God, we pray this morning for parts of our world which are so desperately in need right now. We think of Iraq and Syria. We think of Israel and Gaza. And God, we think of these places where there are walls of hatred and bitterness and animosity and violence. And God, we ask Spirit, would you break those walls down? Would you break those walls down, we pray. And Lord, for us as individuals, may we be people May we be people who live open between you and open with each other. May we be people who, when we get damaged, we work it out. And when people are different, we reach out. So God, I pray that you'd send us out now into our colleges, our universities, our schools, our factories, our offices, our communities, our towns, our homes, to be people who live to bring the walls down. God, let us be that kind of people, I pray. And let it start here, but let it not stop here. Let it radiate out here into our community in Jesus name and everyone said